Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Max Potential Habits podcast. Psyched to have you here. Today, we have a super inspirational guest interview. You all know if you've been here for a while that this is your place to come each and every week for tips, tools, and inspirational interviews from people that I find in whatever magical way I find them, usually online, and I have some sort of connection with them, and Joey is one of those guys. So I was on LinkedIn, and we just had this great conversation back and forth through DMs. So, you know, I love, love, love LinkedIn for its ability to just randomly connect you with people. And because I'm into the law of attraction, I always trust that I'm being brought the right people. We started this conversation and then we had a Zoom and I just was like, oh, you have to come on the podcast and share your story with my tribe because it's so awesome. Really what stands out to me, Joey, I haven't said this to you yet, but it's like the heart of gold that you have of really caring about helping people through your challenges and bringing to the table you know, this vulnerability piece and sharing the things that you've been through and your willingness to overcome and, and just, you know, be, be a light in the world. So that was what made me want to have you come on and talk to people. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here today. Yeah. Thank you for the opportunity. It's, um, yeah, it's, you never know who you're going to connect with. I certainly wasn't, um, looking for you know an opportunity for a podcast when i when i was on linkedin and um as far as helping people goes you know we'll i'll talk a lot about you know some of my challenges um and failures over the years which you know shaped me and made me the type of man i am today and the coach that i am but it's um in order for me to keep it i got to be giving it away so like service is, is really important to me and it's not my go-to my default thinking is what can i get what can i do for me um what can i receive and so like i always have to be practicing looking for opportunities where i could be of service to others where i could help somebody yeah. and that's why this is a perfect profession you know i get to do what i love i'm able to add some value to people's lives and make a good living doing it and um have some freedom yeah nice i love that you know and i so for all of you listening or watching i didn't i didn't properly introduce you so they don't know your background but your his this is joseph polaro and he's the founder of efficacy life coaching he focuses on decision making establishing and building habits generating and managing energy and plugging into your higher forces strength through failure getting get lost to get found Ooh, i love that that's juicy and thinking about uh not be, not busy being born, but is busy dying. Ooh, let's talk more about that. We're going to talk about so many cool things. Oh, that's uh, something else. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. tattooed over here. It's a long uh, story. Maybe we'll get to it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I didn't see, I haven't seen that yet. That's amazing. Okay. Let's start with, I mean, there's so many cool things we could talk about because, you know, you and I've already had some really deep, good conversations about the experiences you've had that got you where you are today. I like to start lately with what is your favorite quote or a favorite quote that has guided your life in a direction that you wanted it to go? I don't know if it's a guide, but it's, I would say that when you mentioned that the first thing that comes to mind is, is all changes scary at first, messy in the middle and gorgeous at the end. It's a quote Mm -hmm. by Robin Sharma. And as somebody who's gone through a lot of change and is currently going through a change in a career transformation, um, going from, you know, I built custom furniture my whole entire life. And um, it was a, a, a craft that I, you know, I got a lot of fulfillment out of and creativity out of and or even a, a whole lot of joy out of even through the darkest times. And and with a few years ago, I felt uh, like the romance was over. You know, it, it felt like it was just, you know, a means to an end and started to become a soul sucking job. I felt uninspired and I had gone through all this personal transformation and I went to speak to a mentor of mine to tell him how I was feeling and, and that, you know, I'm, lo- I'm looking for something else to do. And, you know, what he said to me was, he said, you know, look at everything that you've overcome. Look at the transformations that you, you know, you've made in your life. Like you're doing yourself and the world a disservice if you don't share that. 
and I hadn't even thought about becoming a life coach. I mean, I, I was, I was definitely immersed in personal growth and, and improving myself mostly out of necessity. Um, then it became, you know, a, a habit and, and just the way of life for me. But like that kind of, you know, there was a spark at that point. And at that point I, and I had already, you know, I, I've been plugged into the, into the world and listening to a lot of podcasts and reading a lot of books and, you know, seeing that this people were doing this and people were not only doing it, they were like massively successful at it and while impacting people's lives all over the world. And I just said, okay, so I, you know, I, I started off with like a, a basic certification course and I continued to work building custom furniture and just kind of chip away at it over the last couple of years. Um, little by little, I got some clients via, you know, um, word of mouth and, and then some recommendations from them. And it was never anything that, um, that I could, you know, make the big switch, you know, move from my, my full-time gig building custom furniture to, you know, being a coach. And, uh, you know, this, what's happening in our world now happened. And for me, it's been a blessing because, you know, I was, I've been able over the past four months to really, you know, buckle down and lay a solid foundation and start um, marketing myself, creating relationships like our relationship and, and many others I've created over the last four months and growing my business. And um, so I really feel like I'm at the threshold of, of, of it taking off. And it's one of those silver linings of, you know, what's happening in our world with, with, with the pandemic. There's many for me. Uh, there's many silver linings. I'm always looking for what's the lesson, what's the blessing, what's the meaning, and anything that typically looks like a shit sandwich or feels like it's happening to me or, or um, it's, uh, it's adversarial in nature. There's, if I'm paying attention to it, there's always, there's a lesson in there for it. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's one of the most beautiful gifts of shifting from victim mindset to response, you know, radical responsibility where you go, okay, all of these things that are being brought to me are being brought to me for a reason. And what can I learn from it? How can I grow? And it's about perspective. So I'm curious for you, cause I'm sure you didn't always think that way in, in your, in your previous life, <laughs> previous versions of yourself. Um, no. Yeah, share. I, I, you know, when we connected, your story really impacted me. So I'm curious if you would be willing to share with listeners some of your backstory. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the most influential part of of my story is my my struggle with alcoholism and drugs. Um, you know, I, I started drinking and using drugs at a really really young age, ten, eleven, and. Um, I was always pretty much able to manage what was going on outside, um, mostly due to, you know, my, my passion for sports. And so I, you know, I got good grades and I, and I kept it under wraps for a long time. And, um, you know, I went away to college and, and, and I played college football and that was the only thing that really mattered to me was, was sports. And in order to comply with team rules and things of that nature, I, I kind of was able to, you know, manage it. And, um, you know, once my, my sports career ended early due to, to, um, multiple injuries and surgeries, it just took off and it completely enveloped me and it became my number one priority. And, um, it, it took me to really dark places for, for, you know, 20 years of it. Um, I, uh, basically ended up in the in the end, I was homeless. I had a three hundred dollar a day heroin habit. Um, I was worthless, penniless, homeless. I'd been cut, uh, alienated from. Well, let's just say I pushed away every, everybody important in my life, and um, I had hit a bottom. And it wasn't the first bottom. Like multiple times over the course of twenty plus years. Um, you know, my alcohol and drugs would, would become a problem and I would need to get cleaned up and, and, um, either, you know, a, a nudge from the judge, so to speak, either by the law or the 
family or the girlfriend or the boss. And I would always do that. You know, I'd go and get clean and I would stay clean for significant periods of time, sometimes even more than a year without any intention of ever like stopping. You know, I was just wait until the smoke cleared and um, mm -hmm. then get back to doing what I was doing. And, you know, I suffered most consequences associated with living a life like that short of um, long-term prison and death, you know, um, inability to form relationships with other human beings, in and out of institutions, um, health issues, um, all type of really dangerous situations from, you know, multiple car wrecks to you know, being in places where I ended up on the wrong side of a gun and, and, and just really, really, really messy. And, and the shocking part about all this is, is um, I never realized that I was being protected somehow, you know, and you talked about the victim mindset. And my mindset was like, you know, I've been dealt this life. And the truth is, is I chose that life. And I had like this, vic I had this victim mindset, like, you know, um, if this didn't happen, then I wouldn't, you know, I had a bunch of, you know, stuff that went down, like childhood trauma and a, a lot of uh, violence, um, a lot of death, I'm surrounded by a lot of death. And, and I, I really didn't understand that it had impacted me until I was well, well into recovery. And, you know, I, I never could see that, like, it, I mean, if things were fair, like, let's just, let's, I think it's great that life isn't fair, because if things were fair, I would be dead or in prison. And I was, I was protected. And, and the reason why I was protected is, is because in, in order to spread the message, to spread the message of hope and, and to, you know, take all of my failures and my you know my defects of character and my struggles and my challenges overcome and and at, they become my greatest strengths you know that's where the strength from failure comes comes from it's like all the things that i've that i felt were my biggest worst defects of character that i wanted to hide from everybody else turns out to be my greatest strength because i i like i've walked the path that somebody's going to walk walk on and so I'm able to, it puts me in a unique position to help them traverse the same territory. Mm -hmm. So I, uh, you can, you can interrupt me anytime. It's like, this is something that talking mm -hmm. about this is I what I it. do. No, you know, I, I, I appreciate just, your willingness to share. And I'm, you know, I'm just listening and, yeah. and, you know, whenever anyone shares, I always honor the space of whatever you want to say and I, I, I what was happening in my brain just so was amazing it's like me imagining my listeners listening to you and and it striking some chord in them of like awesome thank you for sharing your deepest darkest moments so that they can also have permission to do the same and that we all are in this together and maybe their darkest moments weren't as you know quote unquote dark or deep as yours but we all have them and we can all turn to hope and we can all shift and you know so I'm really I would love it if you'd share what happened for you when you actually decided to really make the change what what did that for you um I wish I could tell you that I made some sort of decision to change my life. I, I did mention like the type of bottom that I had hit, but I had, I had hit many bottoms and there's always a bottom below a bottom. And, and um, on August 20th, 2009, when I, when I checked into a detox, um, there were certainly higher forces at work that day because I had no intention of, of, getting clean and sober I wasn't done um so what made you check into the detox center I was at the end of the line you know it was uh like I said I, I was homeless I had a three hundred dollar okay. a day heroin habit I had no way to support it I was things were getting really desperate and there was a you know there was an intervention um a family intervention um and I just was like all right well I guess uh I'll go and you know do my time so to speak and so i can uh, come up with another plan yeah you know to so get it's, back uh, to doing the things that i wanted i really yeah wanted to do. i mean yeah. i was just buying time and, and huh. what 
you know, looking at it in hindsight, I mentioned, you know, you know, a higher power and higher forces. When I look at that in hindsight, I was doing, I was doing everything that my brain was telling me not to do. Like I, my brain was telling me to run, 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 run. But I checked into detox. You know, I, I when I got out of detox, I had some friends and family um, pull together and give me an opportunity to go into a, a rehab. My brain was telling me run, 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 run. But I went, and and this continued throughout my recovery, where especially early recovery, where I feel I was being carried by a higher power or God or whatever it is that you want to call it. I was being, you know, either carried, pushed, pulled, dragged against my own will. Um, there was a certain point um, in my recovery when I made the conscious choice to commit to this a hundred percent and to, you know, not go back and do go to any lengths and everything in my power to, you know, stay sober and to heal and forgive and help others. But that was down the line a long bit. And, and, but part of my journey of sobriety was, was, you know, once they removed the alcohol and drugs and I hit a point where I, I, I felt like that, you know, that monkey that was on my back, so to speak, or that, you know, that, that thing that I was carrying around all the time that I didn't understand. I didn't know why I was doing what I was doing. Um, I really didn't have a good answer for it, which is super shocking to me and says a lot about the disease of alcoholism and drug addiction. It's like, you would think I would know what I was getting out of it. I've been doing it for 25 years, regardless of any consequences. So like, I must be, must be getting something from it. I had no idea. I had no idea yeah. why I was doing what I was doing. But it's one of the most powerful things you can do. It's actually a, in Demartini method that I'm trained in that to ask yourself, what am I getting out? What are the benefits I'm getting out of this in any you know addiction pattern? Because you wouldn't be doing it if you weren't getting something out of it, right? But we yeah. tend to be unconscious of what we're getting out of it. And everyone's yeah. telling us there's more drawbacks than benefits. So your brain can't make sense of it. It's like, but I want it so badly. It doesn't make sense, but it's all those unconscious benefits that you're getting out of it. You know, it could be hiding. It could be, you know, not, I mean, I could go, we could go on and on, I'm sure, but it's, it's hard to detect when you're in stuck in the middle of it. Yeah. There's always a payoff and it's Absolutely. always clear in hindsight. Yeah, totally. You know? <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I, I, I got a lot when, when they removed the alcohol and drugs, I got a lot sicker before I got any better. Um, yeah, I, sure. I, I got, went into deep state of depression, something that I hadn't, um, come up against, mm -hmm. um, in my lifetime, you know, I was 35 years old. I never had, I was never depressed as far as yeah. I know. I think I was yeah. treating it with alcohol and drugs. Yeah. Um, and you know, I had, you know, my days were basically, you know, I would get to a meeting and, I would meet with a sponsor and I would sleep 20 hours a day and I would obsess about using drugs and about suicide. And, um, I really, I, I, you know, I was committed and, and taking direction from people who would walk the path that I was trying to walk, but I, I ended up getting a lot sicker and I turned to food and, um, from, from, you know, when I got sober on August 20th, 2009, till March 1st, 2015, I went from 230 pounds to 415 pounds. And I was killing myself with food, um, just, just like I was killing myself with alcohol and drugs. And then you mentioned like, what's the payoff? You know, the, the whole depression thing, like I, I don't feel I was, I don't feel like I was ever depressed. I feel like I was doing depression for a really long time. Um, I know mental illness and depression are a very real thing. But, you know, in hindsight, once I've come out the other side, once I made the decision to commit to taking my life back and, and regaining my health um, and weaned off the antidepressant drugs, I haven't had an ounce of, not one ounce of depression since March 1st, 2015. So obviously I wasn't really depressed, but I was getting a payoff from doing depression. You know, I was diagnosed as being depressed, being depressed. And I took that diagnosis and I ran with it and I made it my identity. And what the payoff was, is I was able to manipulate people. I was able to not, you know, hit, hit you know, take on my fears head on and jump into the stream of life. Um, I got attention from other people. And so, 
it, I, the bottom that I hit, you know, on March 1st, 2015, I was six years sober and, and I was 415 pounds. And, you know, I was, uh, I was in a lot of pain, like in my opinion, way worse pain than I was, you know, when I, when I started my journey of recovery, mentally, yeah. emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And I just had a, you mentioned the, the tattoo, who, he who isn't busy born is busy dying. Um, I had a, you know, I had a, 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 the day before that, I had a very timely visit from my, from my deceased grandfather, um, who in, in a dream and in the dream, he was screaming that to me. He who isn't busy born is busy, is, is busy dying. He who isn't busy being born is busy dying, screaming at me, frantically screaming at me in my dream. And this is a man who never even raised his voice when he was alive. And it, it made a huge impact on me. And it wasn't the first time I've heard that line. It's, it's a, actually a line in a Bob Dylan song. But hmm. at, at that point, you know, I, I realized that I was never scared to die, that I was scared to live. And I committed to, to begin to start living. And that started with taking control of my health. Yeah. Wow. That's big. I think that there's so many people that wouldn't be able to admit that. <laughs> that they're more scared to live than to die. And thank you. I mean, really, really incredible wisdom in all of your shares and, and vulnerability and even being able to say, you know, it's like talking about suicide, talking about being at the bottom, talking about, you know, transferring addictions from one to another, depression, owning it, claiming it, you know, like that's big stuff. I mean, thank you. It, it's courageous to be able to speak that. To, in my mind, it's courageous to do that publicly and really share the hard places that you've been and then where you're, where you're going today. I'm, I would imagine, you know, you said uh, March 1st, 2015, you know, since then it sounds like you've really had a massive shift and you, you have that date marked in your memory. Is there, is there a, is it from the, was that dream that day or was it? It was the day before that day. Okay. It was the day before that day in that, like I woke up that day completely committed to okay. take like to, to starting to live. Wow. And, and I, and fortunately my, you know, my recovery habits in regards to alcohol and drugs were automated. I'm a daily meeting maker and um, I'm heavily involved in, in 12 step program and, yeah. uh, you know, being of service to others, you know, in that arena. <clears throat> but I had to really, you know, like I said, I was killing myself with food. Yeah. So, you know, you know, I had to, you know, not look at the little picture. I had to chunk it down into really small bites and start with yeah. really, really tiny habits. Really simple. I started with like drink 60 ounces water a day, walk 10 minutes. Um, it was super important for me to start taking control of like my mental and emotional hygiene. So like no seg no negative self-talk, no exceptions. At the end of the day, looking at what I have to be grateful for and what I did well that day which is super important to me because I, I had like zero self-worth and self-esteem and my default thinking only sees like what it is I'm not doing. Yeah. Like what it is, what it is that um, where it is I'm falling short, how I'm not enough, what I should have did that I didn't do, what I have that someone's going to take or what I want that I can't get. Like that's my brain. I yeah. still wake up to that brain every day. So I have to counteract that and I counteract that with a whole lot of other good habits to ensure that I, I keep a good attitude and I pay attention to, you know, I can't control my thoughts necessarily, but I can't control my thinking. I can control what I'm paying attention to. Yes. How I speak to myself. Yes. How I speak to myself is, is most important thing. Will you share with listeners? Because I hear this all the time and with the people I work with and myself too. I I had to do the same thing, train my brain in a new direction. And it and it was that training, right? It's a habit to start thinking different thoughts. It doesn't mean that those thoughts don't arise. It just means that you train your brain in a different direction and they happen more quickly. And and the negative thoughts for me come less frequently. And then I can switch more quickly than I, you know, before it would just be, it would just run the show every day. You know, it was like all of that negative mm -hmm. self-talk would just be there all the time. So will you share with listeners, you know, what, what did that look like for you practically? How did you do that? Um, like I said, I, I, I made a conscious effort to be really careful how I spoke to myself. 
Okay. So, so like thing. you would notice I'm having a negative thought and then you would tell yourself, stop having the negative thought. And then would you replace it with a positive thought? Um, yeah, I started to do that, but you know, that's kind of, uh, that's a battle that can't be run, can't be won. You know, there's, you know, I, I do a, a little research around like, you know, the brain and thinking and, and, you know, our brain, you know, 80% of our thoughts are negative thoughts and it's called negativity bias and it's there for a reason and it's evolutionary biology and it's, it's there to protect us. So, so, and 90% of our thoughts are repetitive. So like the play the tit for tat to replace one negative thought with one positive thought is a losing battle. You'll never win it. Um, so I, you know, I found the, for me, um, I had to plug into higher forces. Um, and, the, the, my most important spiritual tool um, to like are what I mentioned already gratitude like every single day in the morning and in the night I I list things that I'm grateful for and I try to really stretch each time and I try to make them typically insignificant things that 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 I take for granted um, and somehow like like gratitude is a, is, is a force that gets up in you and moves you like, like the truth. And like, so when I go to negative thoughts, I go right to gratitude and it doesn't, it doesn't take long before those thoughts get transformed. The, you know, the, you know, the replacing one negative thought with a positive thought never worked for me. I don't Yeah. That yeah well, it, and paying attention to what I'm doing well. Yeah. So, but which is like, gratitude really right for yourself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I mean, I think of it as you, we have, we're, we're energetic beings. So if you're in a negative state, your energy is low. Gratitude actually raises your frequency and shifts you in a new direction, which then you tap into different thoughts because you're focusing on gratitude and what you focus on expands. So it's like, it's, it, to me, it's wild how some of the simplest tools uh, that we practice the least are the most powerful and quickly transformative. So it's like going to that space of gratitude for yourself and even acknowledging what you did great today or in the last week versus what you did wrong, you know, and you said at, with the negativity bias, your brain wants to go to all the things you're not doing well, or all the things you haven't done yet, or all the things that were bad that happened to you. And it, instead of noticing, and it's just noticing, right? It's like noticing, what can I be grateful for right now? Oh, my eyes are blinking. Oh, my, you know, it's like, I can breathe. Oh, I'm sitting here having a conversation. Oh, the sun's shining down on me. Like sometimes it's that simple, you know, when people are really stuck, I tell them, to, you know, sit and get present in your chair and notice that you're grateful that you're being supported by the chair. You know, like sometimes we have to go that, break it down that small and that basic, and then you can up level as you go. So, I mean, that's incredible that it's incredible. Thank you. Yeah. Any, any of the like, you know, recovery tools, um, you know, the habits, rituals and routines and strategies, strategies that I implement in my own life and teach to my clients. Um, the simplest ones are always the most powerful. Totally. You know, yeah. the, the most yeah. powerful things in this world enter through the smallest things. Yeah. And I get shown that over and over and over again. And the, the more complex I, I try to make it or the more complex the, the, the strategy I always try to break it down really, 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 really simple. And yeah. I always experiment on myself first. And, and it's always true. It's always the small things, just like you said. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about when, when we think about habit formation, you said something a, a ways back uh, about identity and how you really shifted your identity from being who you were to, who you, to, to like the person who didn't really want to be alive to the person who wanted to be alive. And that identity shift is a huge part of habit transformation and then making the habit shifts simple and easy. I think yeah. most of the time people go like, oh, I'm going to go, I really hate my life and I don't like the results I'm getting. So I'm going to go from here to here. And you can't do that. It doesn't work that way. Like you, you got, it took you 40, 50, 60, however many years to get where you are. It doesn't happen overnight to just all of a sudden shift your whole life. I think your thoughts, you can have a really instantaneous shift in your thoughts and your identity. Like you did when you woke up, woke up and you were like, I want to live. I want to be someone who lives. But then it's like all of the things that happen after that take those small, small daily changes that then over time become automatic. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I, I, I do a lot of studying on, on habits and, and they're, you know, they're the, 
they're all have their little twist to them, but it, it's all basically the same. Like first the habit needs to be established. So like that's where the identity comes in. So it's like, if you want to be a runner, you need to say, you need to say, I'm a runner. You yeah. Know, I'm a runner. And then it's like really breaking it down into the tiniest and possible fail steps. Like, so if we're talking about running, I'm not a runner, but it just is what came up to me. If we're talking about running, it's like, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to put my running shoes on and yeah. that's a win. Acknowledge yeah. that as a win where like, I'm going to get outside the door and walk to the end of the driveway win. And all those little tiny wins compounded over time add up to a whole lot. And so in all habit building, it's, it's, is basically the same. It's, it's established a habit, get some type of consistency going so you can get some momentum and then build on it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And you, and you said the really important part too, is that that beginning change your identity. I am a runner. Uh, I love James Clear and uh, I'm sure you've read, have you read Atomic Habits before? Yeah, I've read it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I love, he talks about, you know, the difference between saying like, I'm trying to quit smoking versus I'm not a smoker. Like you you hear the difference in that statement. So, you know, anyone listening, when you're trying to shift your habits, you want to adopt the identity of what you want to turn into instead of saying you're trying or you're working on it. It's like going, okay, I am a person who I am a worker outer. I'm a morning, I'm a morning routine person who loves to work out in the morning, like reinforcing that. I don't know what the words would be exactly, but something along those lines. Right. And, and then you live into that identity and that shift is actually what creates longer lasting habit formation. It's super powerful. That's yeah. It's mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's why it's like why I have this podcast called Max Potential Habits, because the more I started to break down what makes people change, and I really love helping, like as you do, getting people from A to Z, you know, you go, what's what's behind it all? It's what you do on a daily basis. Your thoughts are a habit. What you do every day is a habit. The way you focus on your vision is a habit. Like there's habits are so powerful and they're changeable. Even your brain, you know, like I think it's interesting when you were talking about the negativity bias, because similarly, you know, you and I do a lot, both like to do brain research. It's like, um, I think with the new research that's out that talks a lot about that, that's in the last 15 years, really, there's been so much research on neuroplasticity and how we actually mm. can rewire our brain. And I think that over time, we're going to learn that we can down regulate the negativity bias because we aren't, we don't live in a, in a society anymore. We're at constant threat. Our thoughts make us feel like we're at constant threat, <laughs> but we're really not in daily threat of our survival for the most part, let's say. You know, most of the population isn't living in a space where they're constantly at threat, like our brain development way long ago needed to be when we had, a, you know, constant survival threat going on. And so now we make that story up in our minds and we've wired our brain in that direction. And now we, it's our job to train it to where we don't have to live by the negativity bias. I'm, I'm so curious what you think about that. Like, Oh, I mean, it's, it's, um, I mean, it doesn't serve us anymore. I mean, it's yeah. not like I'm in a dark alley in Newark, you know, buying drugs. It's like, yeah. I, I wake up to that stuff and I'm in a safe apartment, like snuggled yeah. up in bed with my dog. Yeah. So, it, I mean, it's, a lot of it has to do with, with, you know, the natural cortisol levels when we wake and there's, there's ways to regulate that as well. And there's lots of ways to, 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 regulate your thinking um you know you can influence it with you you know the food that you're putting into your body you can influence it with you know keeping a clean environment you can influence it with um you know surrounding yourself with with a positive peer group you can influence it with exercise sleep um and then whatever types of of you know stress reduction or stress management you know type tools um, yeah it all goes back to the brain it's all about brain health mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that's a really good point yeah yeah um I would love to know when you started down your path of shifting and deciding you wanted to be alive it sounds like rec- uh, AA has been a really big community and it's it's now what you do you work with in that community a lot correct yeah yeah, yeah. i mean yeah. it's it's um it's vital for me um, yeah it's like it's the baseline for my entire life because nothing happens if, if i don't stay sober like yeah there's no 
there's no business, there's no friends, there's no family, there's no health, there's no, all I do is destroy things. And, yeah. and, and everything around me gets exploded also. So it's the foundation of my life and it's the most important thing. Um, and it's certainly, you know, provided me a, a way to stay sober. Um, and part of how I keep it is by giving it away. So I, I'm in those rooms every day looking for new people and see how I can, I can help them. And, and which is one of the, you know, one of the driving forces of why I wanted to become a coach is because when, when, when you see somebody who's completely hopeless and, or just eat, you know, it doesn't, you don't need like to, to go get a coach. You don't need to be, you know, in the gutter somewhere or have your health to the point where I had it. You could just simply, you know, want to make a change. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, most of the times for me, um, I got to get into a lot of pain before I make changes. I'm getting a little better at like identifying, like, you know, yeah. what changes I want to make and, and starting to, you know, take some steps towards that and commit to it little by little by little. But most of the time pain is the driving force for me. Yeah. Um, I think it is for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fear, right? Fear-based change, pain-based change instead of it's, it's really reactive change versus proactive change where we can actually go, Oh, mm. I want to, I want to optimize myself in this area, even though I'm not in a lot of pain. I think it's, it's hard change to make when you're already having, you know, comfort zone life, let's say it's hard to change because you're comfortable and you're not in pain, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So in some ways I think that there's a lot of power in that place of pain and discomfort and fear and doubt because you're more motivated and inspired to go in a new direction because you're so tired of being in the pain. Yeah. You know? So yeah. it is a huge, it is a huge initiator for most people. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's big. Will you share some of the strategies you use to help people shift? Like first, what's, who's your favorite person to work with? Like who do you love to help? Um, most important, like I, I work with anybody. Um, I, I do specialize in working, um, with people in recovery who are looking to, um, you know, take control of their, their health. Um, okay. and create the type of person that they want to be. Um, you know, it's for me, I didn't know I had a choice. Like I didn't know, like, you hear a lot about why, right? So what's your reason to do it? Like, I kind of look at it like who, like, who do you want to be? Like, I can be, like, I can choose the type of man that I want to be and then go get it. So anybody can do that. So how I work with clients is, I mean, it's really, it's not a cookie tighter type cutter type thing i think it's it's more of an art art form everybody kind of needs it differently but it's got to start with clarity that's like the first step is is finding out um and, you know real on my part is to truly understanding that person and and actively listening to them and understanding what it is that they're you know how they operate and what it is that they're trying to do so clarity around like okay exactly where are you like what's your truth like for real where are you and then, you know, where is it that you want to go? And then like, why it's important to you, what's in the way, and then identifying like what their strengths, their virtues are, um, and trying to create systems in order to help them bridge the gap from where they, where they are to where they want to go. Um, yeah. It's super important to like help them set up their their environment to support them like whatever type of family situation they're in living situation that they're in um and then commitment commitment is the most important thing and um you know which is really i like the definition of commitment as a you know endless series of very small painful actions <laughs> it's painful because it's it's typically not something that you want to do and it's uncomfortable it's not actually causing physical pain. It's pain because it's outside of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you mentioned it and I find it to be true is, is really no opportunity for anything, you know, growth, new clients, um, relationships exist in the same space with me being comfortable. So that's where the commitment piece comes in. 
And then it, I usually start operating, you know, in the area of habits, you know, start, start them building some, you know, some healthy habits very slowly that align with what they're trying to do, whether that's in, improve their health, their health, their relationship, um, their finances, whatever it is that they're trying to, to accomplish. And it's to be, you know, malleable and, and willing to, to shift gears if things aren't working for them is important. Yeah. So that's where I start off. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, that's always that's where huge. I start. <laughs> that's the right there. You're, the, that's, that's really everything, right? That coaching is we go like, okay, let's help you get clarity about where you are, where you want to go. And then how do you pivot in those directions and, and get aligned with why you want to do that and move forward. So it's, I love, I love how many different types of coaches there are and how the foundation of coaching is all the same. You know, it's really helping optimize people to get them where they want to go. And it, and yeah. where everyone wants to go is so different, which is what makes us all so unique and amazing. You know, it's like mm -hmm. for some people, it's building a $5 million business for some people. It's, Oh, I just want to like feel really good in my body every day. And you know, it's like, there's so many, there's such a wide variety of people that come to coaching. And, and I think the, maybe the common force behind it is something you were saying at the beginning was like, it's, it's people actually, it, it's the commitment piece and them being ready to change because, you know, if they're down in the dumps and blaming everyone else, they're definitely not going to hire a coach because a coach isn't a miracle worker. A coach has tools, but you've got to be ready to shift and do the work. So yeah, such powerful. I think it's, to me, it's, I mean, obviously I love, love, love what I do. So it's like, it's the most life altering, joyful job I could possibly create for myself, which is, getting paid to do what I love every day and help people love their lives. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know that, that was something that really struck me when I read your bio and LinkedIn was like, I could just feel how much you care about what you do <laughs> with people and that you really, really want to change lives. So it's amazing. Um, will you share your top three max potential habits that you believe got you where you are today? Um, I think we, we covered most of them. I would definitely say like, <clears throat> a morning routine is is one of the most important things for me. It, it's it, I find that the mornings are basically the only part of day that I have complete control over. And so, you know, me, you know, establishing and building a consistent morning routine is one of the most important things that I did for myself. And it, and it keeps growing. And it started really, it started really small for me. It started with like, okay, get up. Um, when I say I'm going to get up and make my bed, you know, mm -hmm. and, and um, now it, it's, it's, it's come, it's, you know, grown into like this two hour thing. And, and I also have, I'm also able to do it in 20 minutes if I need to, but I try to touch on all aspects of what, you know, what functional health is, you know, I, I try to, to, to tackle something physical, something mental, something emotional and something spiritual. So the morning routine is huge. Nice. And then the, the gratitude, the gratitude in the winds, small, seemingly insignificant. I don't know anybody who does it who won't tell you something. It changes everything. It shifts your perspective. That's what spirituality is. It's shifting perspective. So that's, that's, that's the, the next big thing. And then um, decision-making is super important. Like it's, um, you know, we're talking about the brain and, you know, d being an indecision is a really painful place to be. And it takes up a lot of bandwidth um, between our ears and, you know, our brain being what 2% of our body weight consumes 20% of our en energy. So like uh, having a decision, you know, clanking around in our head without any, you know, without making it is really bogs the system down. It, destroys our focus, destroys our energy. So I've, I, I've, you know, I making decisions was huge for me. And one, how, one of the ways I do that is right off the bat, I categorize it into if I have a decision that I need to make because the brain doesn't like, doesn't like open loops. So like beginning and ends. So I file it into like, okay, something that I just need to like put up with and I'm, I'm not going to bother or something that I can't, do anything about like I can't influence with like my thinking my words my actions and, I, and my attitude and something I can do about right now so I automatically file a decision in one of those three categories and keep them there and then start working on the one that that um 
that I can do something about right now. And that's great. Decision making, like I, you know, for me, <clears throat> one of the strategies I work with for myself and I try to teach to my clients is, is more of a physical test. It's a body test because I believe that there's intelligence that lives in our body that bypasses our intellectual thinking, our mind, our ego, mm -hmm. our logic. And so I kind of, I, I get quiet, um, you know, whatever, however that is for you. But I typically, you know, I, I do some, I do some breath work and I, and I get, try to get really present and quiet and I ask myself the decision that I'm going to make and usually almost immediately there's a, a physical reaction there's either you know a, a constriction that happens I'll get like a feeling in my in my stomach or I'll, I'll, I'll notice that I'll be like nodding my head no or I'll be pulling back and that's like a that is telling me that's giving me a really solid no and it's not happening between my ears where it's just a, which is a shit show which is what we talked about it's happening in my body and if I ask the question and, and I feel expansive and I feel like my breath is regulated and, and breathing well and I, and I feel bright and light, that's given me a yes. Um, and I've learned to trust that and it takes practice, but I think, you know, removing it from, from between our ear, ears and bringing it into our heart is a really good way to, to, to make decisions for me. Mm. That's great. It's, I was going to ask you, what's a practical way to make decisions? So it was awesome. Thank you for sharing that tip. I think it's, you're so right. It's one of those places where people get super stuck and it does take up so much energy. You just go, I've seen people be stuck, including myself in, in, in my history in indecision for sometimes for weeks, you know, you can stay stuck in indecision for weeks or years and it's so draining and exhausting. And it's, I think, I'm curious what you think about this. Like, why do you think we get so stuck in indecision? Like, what is it about making a decision that scares us? Or is it, is that it right there? It's that making a decision scares us. Why, why is that the case? I, I mean, it, it, it's fear and yeah. it's the, the fantasy that there, like certainty exists. You know, mm -hmm. it's, I don't like really, you know, you mm -hmm. hear a lot, especially now that there's so much uncertainty in the world. There is always uncertainty. Like nothing is promised us. Like I can walk outside here and get hit by a bus. Like just because I have my life arranged and the players around it arranged in a way that's satisfactory to me, it certainly doesn't mean that it's certain. So like the need to be certain is one of the driving forces of, of not being able to make a decision. So basically yeah. fear. Yeah. Yeah. Fear and then surrendering to the lack of certainty. Like, yeah, that's big. That's a good one. Awesome. So we'd like to stay in action and stay out of results and consequences. That's up to higher, higher forces, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So good. Okay. Share your one favorite book and then we're going to wrap up. What's a, what's a great book that's impacted your life? Um, without a doubt, the tools by uh, Barry Michaels and Dr. Phil Stutz um, mm -hmm. in their second book coming alive. It's the most, they teach really very simple, quick tools to overcome basically any type of, of negative emotion or thought. Um, and nice. it's something that you could do in 10 minutes. And if you, if you take those tools and you actually implement in your life, it's remarkable that what happens. Like by far the tools and this, their second book coming alive, I would recommend to anybody. Amazing. I haven't heard of them before. So I love it when people oh, you recommend new me. books to me because it's rare. <laughs> yeah. I'll send them to you. That's amazing. I, I just keep them and I hand them out. Yeah. Like, I don't, most people won't like it, it, you know, it takes, it's one of those things. It's not like you read it, you get an idea, you, you buy into that idea or you get some, it, it's something that needs to be practiced. It, they're daily habits basically yeah. for any awesome. possible situation. And like that's the book that I would definitely recommend. That's incredible. Thank you. Yeah. Love it. Okay. So I know people are going to want to connect with you, share with listeners where they can find you. Um, they could find me on LinkedIn. Just look under my name, Joseph Polaro. Um, they can also find me on my website. That's um, efficacycoach.com. That's E-F-F-I-C-A-C-Y coach.com. And that's the best way to find me. Okay. I'm, lo I'm looking to branch out in my social media um, areas, but right now LinkedIn's all, all there is. And so either that or an email, Joseph at efficacycoach.com. Wonderful. Amazing. Okay. And that, for everyone listening, of course, you all know that'll be in the show notes. 
And we would love to hear from you in comments, in sharing on social media. If you're on LinkedIn, both Joey and I are on LinkedIn. That's where we met. So, you know, snap something and, and DM us and let us know what, how it impacted you. We love being here to help serve you, help you learn. Even if you walked away with one nugget, more hope, something that inspired you. That's our aim. And you know, that's my aim in creating this podcast. And that's why I bring on people like Joey who have inspirational stories who have come really far in their lives and are helping other people's do this. Other people's <laughs> other people do the same. My peoples. Yeah. My peeps. <laughs> <laughs> my peeps. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here, Joey. It was amazing. Thanks for having me. I had a great time. Yeah. Awesome. All right, everyone. Thank you again for another week of being here at the Max Potential Habits podcast. Love, 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 love having you here. I so highly value that I get to do this work in the world and that you're out there listening. So thank you for being there for me, with me, by me. I want to hear more from you and what you want. And that's a wrap for today. I hope you all have a max potential week where you thrive and feel alive and really tap into the desire to be alive and shape your life the way you want it to be. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Max Potential Habits podcast. If you're liking what you've heard, it would be so incredibly awesome if you would subscribe to the channel and leave a five-star rating and a written review. This helps me help more people while we grow our NFA community so we can rock it out together. For Max Potential Habits resources, go to nfacoaching.com where you can access all of my resources. There's free ebooks, PDF checklists, a journal template, a business mindset meditation kit, and so much more. Plus, links to NFA Coaching on Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, and Facebook. And if you're super serious about up-leveling, there's also a link to schedule a free consult to work with me in group or one-on-one -on -one coaching. Until next time, I hope you have a Max Potential Habits Day where you get inspired to do whatever it takes to transform into the most empowered version of yourself so you can lead a rich, thriving, kick-ass life and business.